Welcome to the Dirt Reporters Podcast for the week of December 23rd. And guys, we're going to get into the Christmas spirit. It's officially Christmas week. And before we get started, I want to go around the room. We'll start with Todd. I want to know you, you what were your guys' favorite Christmas presents growing up, just to get in the Christmas spirit a little bit. Todd, what was your favorite? Do you have one in mind? Oh, my definitely. definitely. And, th- and this is racing related, which is convenient. So this slot car track. Uh, and this isn't the little bitty ho- uh, HO scale. This is a bigger gray track, maybe about six inches wide. And it and the cars p- were put in the slot, and there was like a spring in the slot that carried the cars around. And, uh, and of course, it was all about racing for me. So I would like sling the cars off the track and try to race them side by side. And, and it began, it actually began a lifelong uh uh, obsession with slot car racing. Uh, but I remember there's a picture of me and my dad sitting there playing with this. I was probably five. Um, and it was, uh, it was fantastic. So slot car racing forever. Robert, you Tennessee boy down there. What was your favorite? Well, since you, since you mentioned that, uh, probably the, the most exciting thing I ever got was a uh well i got i got a, an atari one time and you know and i got a computer one time but my f- favorite my favorite all-time gift was a university of kentucky jacket it was uh one of those Ooh. silk type of jackets it was like uh it was solid blue and it had kentucky and, and the big blocks across it all the way across the front and uh, I mean, it was, I wore that thing with pride and, and probably still have it somewhere in my closet because I don't get rid of stuff like that. It was, uh, it was just uh, an all time uh, to go into school after Christmas break wearing that Kentucky jacket. And like you said, in Tennessee, especially living here in Tennessee was just, uh, was just awesome feeling. I was just beaming when I, when I rolled into, into back into the middle school wearing that jacket. I bet you had some big time swag when you flaunted that at school back in the day. But Kovac, we got to ask you, <laughs> you had something very special, I'm sure, growing up. Santa came over and went ho, ho, ho to your house. I mean, I, Robert and Todd just both mentioned like two things that were like high on my list there, you know, with a, a slot car track. I, uh, I remember getting a Richard Petty slot car track, which I still have down in the basement here. I still just kind of looked at the box not too long ago. And, uh, and the Atari Robert, oh man. Yeah, that was, that was pretty cool getting that. But I mean, I, I think when I go through the number one thing, I, I don't know, one thing that just sticks out in my mind was when I got that big millennium Falcon, uh, you know, like the, uh, <laughs> the star Wars thing. I mean, the big one. With like, you know, I mean, not, not a, you know, not one, not a Lego one or anything, but the one that was came together and man, you could had every, all the rooms in it and everything and just a giant. And once again, I think I still have down in my basement. Uh, so it's a, it's a, it, it was just a pretty cool thing. And I remember uh, always uh, playing with that. I'm sure I got a, I'm sure my mom has a picture of that somewhere, uh, me uh, under the, near the Christmas tree with the, with the Millennium Falcon. That was pretty cool. Maybe you should re-gift that to Kale coming up this Christmas, you know? I mean, he wouldn't know at all. I don't know. It could be worth some money now. Maybe we just sell it. That's all right. Oh, I think it's in pretty yeah, good my, condition, right? My all-time favorite, no doubt. I'm a little bit, you know, younger than you guys. So when he mentioned the Atari, I got to go with the Super Nintendo when I was about seven or eight years old. Mario Kart, and then my all-time favorite game, NBA Jam. 
He's heating up. The great arcade game finally went to Super Nintendo. Mitch Richmond, by the way, the all-time greats in that video game. And I heard there was like a rumor one time that the creators were big Detroit Piston fans, which Kovac is. That's why I'm bringing it up. So they made Scottie Pippen because they hated the Bulls so much to have his clutch gene in that game not very good. So that's kind of like the secret hidden uh, conspiracy that Scottie Pippen was rigged in that game because the creators were Detroit Piston fans. Kovac, come on, you guys up there in Detroit. I think so. Well, yeah, he does. He did wilt under the pressure. He was he was no he was no Michael Jordan. He I heard he said he thinks he's he was as good as Michael Jordan. I saw a quote about that recently. So yeah, Pippen he couldn't handle the pressure. <laughs> the Pistons Moving fans now. Oh yeah, for sure. Moving on, uh, we were talking about topics this week, and I felt like maybe this was a good time for all of us to talk about the top twenty-five throughout the entire year. There's around 10 of us that vote each and every week. We have a few weeks off at the beginning of the year and the end of the year that vote for, you know, the number one driver in the country, one through 25, basically like an AP style top 25 voting process. And Todd, can you give the people at home a little history on the top 25 at Dillon Bear? Because it is a lot of topic of discussion at the racetrack. Yeah, so it came up, uh, I think Michael Rigsby really wanted to do it maybe earlier on. I was a little resistant, maybe maybe anticipating a little bit of the criticism that it might get. Uh, But eventually, I guess uh, we started in 2011, which was the fourth or I guess fifth year of Dirt on Dirt. And uh, and I think the thing about it is that people have to understand, and we'll talk about this maybe when you all explain kind of your voting strategies and stuff, is that we wanted it to be a, a quote, power rankings of like what was good, who is the best driver at this moment, you know, or in this week or whatever. So it's going to be definitely reflective of how how drivers uh uh, how drivers have done in, in recent weeks. And it, and it's a sport for a couple of reasons. One, it's hard to separate a driver's history or a driver's, you know, career quality uh, sometimes from what he's done in recent weeks. Uh, and it's also hard to compare drivers who, in some cases, rarely face off against one another. Uh, so there's a lot of challenges with the voting. And originally we did, I think we thought the more the better, and we had, I think we invited 30-something at the beginning to vote. Um, and that was a little difficult to get that many people to be consistently voting. So eventually we settled on the 10 and make sure we have exactly 10 votes every week. And we've done that maybe the last five or six years. Um, so that's kind of the history of where it came from, to be a power ranking, uh, again, as a poll. And, and Derek, I know we talked about before, you know, Davenport, Jonathan Davenport was number one wrapping up this season in the top 25. Of course, he was coming off his world finals wins. Uh, uh, he was he was he was on a hot streak. As it turned out, Brandon Overton was driver of the year. And those are two separate things. You know, I think that's the idea when you're voting in the top 25. It's not to think who's having the best year. You want to be thinking who is being who is the fastest at this moment or who is showing the most promise or who is on a hot streak. Uh, so, so it's a little tricky to do that, um, you know, compared to the other sports, college football and college basketball, maybe college basketball is a little more about who's on the hot streak. College football in, in large part, it's like, who's not losing is what, what it matters, what matters there. So they, it, it's not a direct, uh, uh, comparison to those type sports, but anyway, it, it is, it is, uh, something that, uh, we knew would be a conversation piece. 
and would be a way to uh, uh, to honor the the drivers that are doing well. So it's it's been fun, and I'm interested to hear hear because uh, we've often often talked about the how do you vote for guys who aren't racing against each other? How much do you weigh uh, this win versus that win? So it's interesting to discuss this kind of thing. Robert, you mentioned before the show that you've been a voter for a very long time. Um, how much fun do you have doing that every single Monday after the race weekend, getting the stats from each driver, how they did this past weekend? It takes a lot of work to look up some of these drivers. Uh, it, it definitely does. And I think that if you're going to be a voter, uh, you know, I, first of all, I take a lot of pride in it because, you know, these people, when you see people complaining about it or when you see when you see a driver it's like oh i i want to get in that top the drivers also take a lot of pride in it because if they're complaining about where they're ranked or if they're complaining about uh uh, not being ranked for instance or being too low you can tell that it means a lot to them so if that's the case it means a lot to me to 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 be voting And, and i know that i I think I started writing uh, for Dirt on Dirt in 2010. So, you know, 11, 11 going on 12 years now. And I think I've been a, a voter on this panel, I guess, for about six or eight years, somewhere in that range somewhere. And so I've always taken a lot of pride in looking at drivers, not only scanning to see who won that particular weekend, but see if a driver finished 20th, why he finished 20th. Did he lead 80 out of 100 laps and then had problems? Because there's a big difference in a driver who finished 20th after leading half the race versus a guy who finished 21st that pulled out, you know, pulled off on the first or second lap because, you know, he was just getting start money. So even though there's only one position difference in their in their finish, there's a big difference in in why they finished that way. So for me, it, it's uh, I, I wouldn't say it's a lot of fun necessarily, you know, on Monday mornings, looking through all that stuff after a long weekend. But it is a great way for us as voters to keep up with everything that's going on because there are a lot of times when you're out on on the road and and you didn't have a chance to look, to watch a race or you didn't have a chance to, to look at all the results because you were covering a, a summer nationals race or a big race somewhere. So it's a great way to look back through there and see exactly what's going on in, in the whole landscape of dirt late model racing and, and to help us, uh, not only as just voters who are doing our due diligence, but as, as race fans and as, as riders kind of keeping up with what's, what's going on across the dirt late model world. Kovac, you're also a voter. How much bias do you put into you to your top 25? Is there no bias at all? Because that's a lot of a, a common question we get at the racetrack. It's like, oh, you're showing your bias here and stuff like that. Is there a little bias when people vote in the top 25? I mean, I think you see it in the college basketball ranks, wherever conference you're in, I think you tend to maybe vote them up a little higher. Yeah, I think the bias might be ones that you see drivers you see a little bit more because uh, there's there's certainly I mean we have so many drivers across the country we're not we're not seeing or, or paying attention like uh, you know getting a, a first-hand look at how good this guy was out in uh, you know Wisconsin or this guy was down in Louisiana or, or Mississippi I mean we're, we're we 
cover firsthand more of the big races, obviously. We're, that's ones we're going to be at more. We're not, there, maybe there's a local guy, a regional guy that's really we, – we have to keep that in mind, that there's regional guys uh, just – you know they're not going to always just be – they're not going to go run – uh, all the national tour events, but man, they're really running good in that regional uh, uh, circuit that they're on. And, and we kind of, I, I always like trying to be able to, to weigh that, you know, like maybe the, with how would that guy, does that guy stack up with, with the national guy? Would he be like in, you know, a number 20 guy in the country? Because uh, he seems like he, if, I think that he would be able to, how good he's running regionally would stack up well with the, with the national guys. So I, I don't think there's like a super lot of bias, uh, and it, I, from from what I always think is the top five or six, maybe those guys are, are, are a lot easier almost to come up with. I mean, you, th- those guys separate themselves. I mean, you see it this year. I mean, th- those are the guys that, uh, you, you know, those are the, there, there's five or six guys a year that these are the, the ones that are going to be up at the top of the list. And, you know, I mean, you could. You'll, you'll see who's doing the best at that one stretch. Was it Brandon Overton? Was it Brandon Shepard? Was it Jonathan Davenport? Was it Tim McCready, you know, or Bobby Pierce? I mean, you, you see those guys. Uh, and I think you could tell those are the ones that um, belong up in the top five. I, I, the toughest ones for me always is beyond that. I mean, we're, it's uh, so tough uh, to like say, well, this guy is going to be number nine. This guy's number 19. Probably they could be switched in some cases. And sometimes I'm sure they think that they should be switched. Uh, but uh, those are the ones that kind of take a little more time. And, and, but believe it or not, I mean, I, once I do a top 25, I always the, the next, once the, we have the results from our, you know, 10 or so people that do it, I look at seeing how did, which are the top 25 guys that were, or, or, who am I missing from the final result here? And it's usually pretty close. I mean, I, like two or three guys might be that I didn't have in, in the final top 25. Uh, I mean, there, I think there's even times I think I might have hit every 20, top 25 guy, but it's sort of like that. You don't, you know, uh, I think it does even out with uh, all our guys, all, all 10 of us that, that are voting. I, you know, uh, Kevin, I do the I do the same thing after I vote. I look on Tuesday when it's published or when we actually get the the list. I look and see did I miss anyone and where did I rank somebody compared to where other people rank them. And a lot of times, I first thing I look at as actually the guys who didn't make the list. And so that way I know. If there's two or three guys, say there's two guys that are not in the top 25 that I voted for, well, that obviously means there's two guys in the top 25 that I didn't vote for. So I look, I look straight to see who those two guys are and to see if they're, if I think they're worthy. And and a lot of times you vote for a person, almost knowing that he probably won't make the top 25, maybe, but he deserves recognition. So he's going to be on that little list of of not alternates, but, but, you know, that would be 26 through 30 or 26 through, you know, 35. If, if the numbers continued to go that way, just because he deserves recognition for a great weekend or two weeks in a row or something like that. So, so I do the same thing, Kevin, I, I look to see, you know, how I, how my voting kind of compared to, and it's not that I want my voting to be like everybody else's necessarily, but, but I think that, it's good that we kind of have a consensus sort of. And so that's why I look, you know, to see 
where I am compared to everybody else to see if I kind of fall in that in, into that kind of a consensus to make sure I'm not way out in left field with somebody. You know what I mean? Yeah, Kovac, I like your point there when you said 11 through 25, you could just throw it into a hat and draw it out because the top 10, more, more likely the top five, they're way ahead of the other guys. And it seems like that 11 through 25 range is always constantly switching. You see a driver win two races in a weekend, they'll bump way up. Then they go on a winless streak, they go way back down. Another thing about the bias thing, last year when Shepard was having his phenomenal year during COVID, this guy tweeted me every single week saying, Look at that, the Illinois bias at Dirt on Dirt. And I literally wrote back, I am the only guy that votes in the top 25 from Illinois. We have guys scattered throughout the entire country. But I just thought it was really funny because he thought I was this, that Dirt on Dirt was this Illinois bias. He must have thought Rigsby and Amber and Artie, who's Rigsby's dog, all voted. So, <laughs> But it is very funny because every time we have a top 25 poll, you always see one or two people tweet, tweet at you about your top 25 votes. And like I said, there's 10 other guys there. They must be thinking closely to what I'm thinking, but that was just a very funny bias story. And Todd, I want to know though, because a lot of people always ask me, Derek, how do you vote for your top 25? What is Todd Turner's formula each and every week when he votes for his, his poll? Ooh, uh, I, I, I do, I do make a particular focus on making sure and recognize m- recent movement guys that are, not making races or running in the back multiple times or guys that are winning maybe off the radar guys just make sure and make sure and i'm i'm addressing that and not just kind of like oh this guy was 14th last week and eh, i'll just leave him 14th because he ran 12th and 10th or whatever it is and i think that's the trickiest part about the whole poll is the national touring guys that aren't winning So a guy that's on a national tour and he's eighth in national tour points and he hasn't won on the series in four four months or something. The question is, so is he better than a regional guy who's who's won eight races in the past two months, you know, at a variety of tracks against, you know, admittedly lesser competition. So how how do you rank that? And I think those are the guys that I sweat over the most, those those national touring guys. Uh, who are just, you know, and, and, and admittedly themselves. They're not having a good season. They're not running well. However, you look at it, who are they finishing behind? Well, they're finishing behind the guys that are in the top five in the in the poll every week. Uh, that's another part of my strategy. When I look at somebody who wins or loses, who did they beat? Who did they lose to? Um, you know, because it's hard to put a regional guy up in there when you look at the regional field that he faced. Is there anybody in the top 25 that ran in the race he, he he won? Well, if there's not, then, you know, not that he doesn't get any any love for that. He's not going to get as much as if he goes to a, a higher level regional race or a national touring race and either wins or runs well. I think that's the, that's the trickiest part is those, you know, like Josh Rice is a guy that you would look at. You're like, well, he wins a lot. A lot of them are one track. You know, he wins at Florence a lot. Is that way enough? You know, of course, he won a national touring race this year, and that that got gave him props and put him up in there. But but when he wins his other races, does that make him better than somebody who is running on a national tour but not winning? Kyle Bronson is one to look at. He won at I eighty this year, and he had a really good streak of national touring runs, and then he had a really bad stretch. But I noticed even during the bad stretch, largely he hung up in the top twenty five. 
And, and I just think that's the trickiest part of it. You know, how, how do you ding those guys who are, who are, they're running against the best people in the country. So it's tricky to knock them out of the top 25. But as Robert mentioned, sometimes it's nice to, to, to rank somebody 24th or 25th and give them a little recognition, even if really, you know, you may not believe that they're, they're maybe at that level, but they need a little, you know, it's nice to point out somebody that is running worthy of being in that competition. Yeah, I like using sports analogies all the time. I feel like if you're running the National Touring Series, it's equivalent to SEC bias in college football. You know, they're the cream of the crops, the strength of schedules, the toughest. So obviously you're going to have more likely to vote them in the top 25, even though they're not winning races. Robert's what is your strategy each and every week? How do you look at it? You know, first I, I want to address, you keep saying the word bias, and, and I like to think that I'm not biased at all. Uh, but if I ever had a bias in my voting, honestly, uh, and I'll just say this for for the world, anybody's tuning in today to, to hear, Scott Bloomquist was probably – where I leaned, where my bias leaned. And it, it honestly, it was towards his stature in the sport, you know, and his, his name. And it's like every year when you, when we do our preseason poll, I would rank him, you know, I, I honestly, I, he hasn't been ranked all year, so I won't do that moving forward. But in the past, when he was Scott Bloomquist, even when he was, not winning at the highest level as he did in the, you know, in, in his, the, the prime of his career, it's still Scott Bloomquist. So you still expect that out of him. So you still rank him high until he proves, he proves you otherwise. And then he starts dropping in the poll. So that's, that's the only bias that, that I would say that I would, I would probably only driver. And I'll admit that, you know, that's probably the only driver that I ever, I ever through, you know, that was biased towards at all. And, you know, and that's, uh, it's almost like some guys have to prove how good they are. And with him, he kind of had to prove the opposite. He had to prove me wrong and had to prove how bad he was to start dropping out of the pole. And so, but anyway, uh, that's, that's, uh, I like to think that none of us are really biased, but, but for sure to start the season, you kind of are, but when I'm voting, towards a guy, I will also say that one race is not going to get it done for me. Uh, I'm usually to, to, you have to prove it on multiple weeks or like you said earlier, wins two races in a weekend. You have to get on a hot streak, especially if you are a regional driver. It is very, very difficult, like Todd said, to rank these regional drivers. And I think about some guys who who we've ranked, who have been in our top 25, who are regional drivers, uh, just kind of from my area, from down south in the past. Michael Page, for several years, the Georgia drivers seem to have just a permanent spot in that 18th through 25th spot, you know, on our poll. Well, he won every race, it seemed like, that, every regional race that ever happened in, in middle to North Georgia, you know, every time there was a race down there, it seemed like Michael page won it. And so he never kind of left that 18th, 20, 25 range. 
you know, and then, of course, this year, I think he didn't win as much as Page has in the past, but Michael Chilton in, from Kentucky won a bunch of several big races in, in that area, in that state, some $10,000 to win races. So, of course, he got um, a, a lot of attention in the middle of the summer, but then when he, he wasn't winning those regional races as, as often, you notice he kind of fell out of the pole. Uh, Corey Hedgecock, a year or two ago, when he had a, just an ex, just a crazy exceptional season to Tennessee, East Tennessee driver, you'll notice he kind of did the same thing. Once After he won, it took a lot of those races to win, uh, you know, eight, nine, ten races before he actually cracked the top 25 and then stayed there for quite a while. And, of course, I'm not – I don't think Corey Hedgecock is any – worse this year than necessarily he was he might disagree you know he, he might not be excited about this season but he's not any really worse this year than he was last year year before but he's not been in the top 25 i don't think and then obviously up towards uh kevin max blair is, is a prime example of a regional driver who you think he's always been in the top 25 but it's always been down down to the bottom and it's he wins 30 races a year and it's, and he's not cracking the top 10. So, so that kind of tells you where our voters weigh regional guys versus the national guys right there with a guy that wins 20 to 30 races on the regional level, but doesn't even crack our top 10. Because honestly, if you crack the top 10 in this poll, you, you should be a threat to go anywhere. To, to my opinion, you should be a threat to go anywhere in the country and win a race if you're in the top 10 in this poll. That's just the, that's, that's just the way it is. And I also look, and I think the top four to five guys on the national tours, if you're consistently in the top four or five, not finishing races necessarily, but if you are points-wise, points racing, and you're in the top five from the drop of the green to the checkered flag on the season in a national tour, I don't see how you can possibly fall out of the top 25. I just, you know, you're going to be ranked in there somewhere. I mean, it might not be – you might not win a ton of races or, you know, but you're going to be ranked. So, you know, I, I do look at it like what have you done for me lately? Like Todd kind of mentioned, it's it's guys have got on hot streaks and stuff like that. But it's also what have you done for me lately and the week before lately. So I kind of look at it. I, you kind of, like I said, I'm really kind of hard to please. And you kind of have to get on a little streak for me. If, if you're not in the top 25 already, you have to kind of get on a streak before I'm like, yeah, this guy. Because I, I honestly feel like as tough as the competition is out there right now, there are so many drivers that are capable of going and winning a race. So you go and win a race one time. You haven't won two or three races all year. You go and win one race against great competition one time. That doesn't necessarily mean you're a top 25 driver. That means you had one good night. So I look at it like, what are you going to do the next? What are you going to do for an encore? And if you can go back that up, then I then you're going to get my vote. That's just kind of so, you know, like it's different if you go win a crown jewel, you're probably going to get my vote somewhere. It's not going to be that high, but you're going to get a vote. But if you just go win a national touring race and you're a regional guy, 
you're not going to be ranked fifth the next week. That's just the way it is. You have to, you have to, what, like I said, what are you going to, what have you done for an encore? What are you going to do for an encore? You have to go back that, that performance up to be ranked up there for me. That's kind of, that's kind of the way I look at it. Yeah. And Robert, Max Blair, he can literally win 30 less races this year. Maybe he goes from 35 to five, but he wins five national touring series races. Maybe he wins like a firecracker or a crown jewel. He could be ranked higher this year than he ever was when he won 35 races. So that's a great, that's a great, great point. Max Blair is a perfect example because he is running the world of outlaws this year coming up in 2022. But Kovac, you're always busting people's balls at the racetrack. They always come to you with complaints. What are some of the complaints you've gotten from drivers, fans, uh, T-shirt guys about voting in the top 25? There's always somebody saying something to you at the dirt track. Oh, God, it, it is. I mean, the, the the funny thing is, it's like, I mean, you can't remember that the top 25 doesn't pay any money. There's no there's no there's no money. Uh, we don't have we don't have a purse for each week's uh uh, top 25 we don't have a payoff at the end of the year we don't have a trophy at the end of the year this is all pride thing uh and everyone always says they don't i mean i i got i've heard people that don't even say they don't even read dirt on dirt they don't even care about anything they don't read all these stuff and they still complain about like well how come i wasn't in there how come this guy or not how come i wasn't in there but how come this guy was ranked so high he shouldn't be there you know and it's you get these little little digs a lot of times like, Oh, you know, okay, well maybe this time, maybe, maybe this will move me up in the top 25 this week. You know, I, it's like, I thought you didn't worry about that. I thought that that was not on your mind, but this obviously is in driver's minds and crew guys and team owners and, you know, people in the industry, it's become a thing. I mean, it's been around for 10 years now, like Todd said, and, and, and these guys do want to be recognized in that. I mean, uh, I kind of notice it too when there's uh, some when there is a regional guy makes it in just into the top you know he's 21st or 22nd they're they're proud they I've seen people put it on their social media accounts that hey man we made the dirt on dirt top 25 you know it's it's for we're we're getting there you know it's it's we're we're getting recognized um but it's it's those little digs that uh you know that 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 people you know, when you when you're they're supposedly don't even care about it but they're complaining about like uh, what, what the rankings are and why is this guy still ahead, you know? And it, it it's kind of, I, I like to just kind of make a joke about him. Like, yeah, we're just, uh, yeah, we, 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 you're not doing good enough. You know, like we, yeah, we, we don't want you up there in the top 10. We're just going to keep you back. We're holding you back because we just don't like you or something. We're like, Oh, oh come on. I mean, it's, there, there's, we're, we're trying to do the best we can. And I think that really it does come out like as, as a pretty good, when you get when you get the ten people doing it, it comes. You find see the final result. It's a pretty good representation of what's going on. I I, I firmly believe that, and and hopefully everybody that looks at it does too. Even though they they but people like to complain, and that's probably that's basically what the what the thing what the top twenty five is for to get people talking about it. And if they're I guess if they're not complaining about who's in it and where they're ranked and stuff, then. Uh, I guess uh, I, I guess that it's not a good thing then because they're not paying attention. Robert, you know, Kevin, you should we should mention too that that as voters we don't know how the other people are voting. It's completely right. mm-hmm. anonymous to us. I mean, we we send a poll in and have no clue how any of the fellow pollsters are are voting. 
So it's not like we get together in a huddle and think, hey, that guy, you know, let's make sure we keep let's make sure we keep him out or or hey, I think we should I think we should make hey, this guy, we let's try to keep him in the top five all year. It's not like we get together and do that. We have no clue how others are voting week week in and week out. So it's definitely like you said, we, we're definitely doing the best we can. And I think there's a very like Derek said, I did not even realize it myself. I did not realize that he was the only Illinois voter. Uh, so I, I, you know, I do think we have a pretty broad uh, representation from guys from voters across the the country. And I think we also have a plausible deniability all the time too. With uh, when somebody comes and come and says like or texts us or or, or tweets out like that, our my guy should be higher. And he goes, well, hey, I, I voted him higher than he's listed on there. Hey, if that, that's I don't know what the other people are doing because we don't. But hey, I voted him higher. I think he should be higher. So we can always we always have that. Been able, we always can be able to say that because uh, it's it's a lot of times it's true. You know, hey, it, I I think he should I think he should be twelve. You know, but that's where I had him. But everybody else just wasn't in my in my camp on that. So <laughs> yeah, the only person that actually sees every vote is Todd who tabulates all of them every single week and Todd have you ever had to contest a vote just because maybe they pressed the wrong button I know I've done that with the domes before I voted for Tim instead of Zach or have you ever questioned somebody's you had a uh, DM a message saying hey is this right is this correct yeah occasionally somebody will put because we have the names listed and alphabetically so sometimes people will press the wrong name and it's kind of apparent and I'm like hey are you sure about that uh, but like you guys were saying, there's sometimes I look at the poll and I'm like, what are these guys still voting for X driver for? It's like he's been struggling and, and people keep him up. So, I mean, yeah, it's not uh, Robert makes a good point. It, it's an anonymous poll. It's you know, there's no there's no uh, there's no conspiracy uh, to get anything going here. Uh, that's what, uh, th that's a good point to the whole thing, you know, and I, and rarely do I even look at everybody's votes unless there's some kind of a, a, a an accounting error or something like that. So I don't know too much about it, but, but yeah, I don't, I don't always agree with it as well. And, um, to Kevin's point about people criticizing it, I, there has been times and this hasn't happened lately, but I know earlier on people would be like, yeah, I, I can't believe that your poll is terrible, whatever. And then you, you literally talk to them and look at the poll and say, okay, where would you put this guy? And they start looking at it and, and all of a sudden they get kind of quiet because they realize, you know, you know, you could move a guy here or there uh, up a notch or two, but by and large, it's a pretty, especially toward the top, it's a pretty fair representation of, of what's going on. And I think, I think, you know, especially in that top five, usually they're, you know, that people realize they, they see those, those are clearly the guys that are the hottest and the best drivers right now. I got two scenarios. I want to give to Todd and Robert, uh, Robert, your first scenario is how do you vote between a guy like Brandon Shepard and Tim McCready, both national champions. One guy has like 15 wins. The other guy has nine. But I feel like the nine maybe are a little bit stronger in T-Mac, and maybe that's why he gets ahead of the vote in, with Brandon Shepard this year. Well, you know, a lot of times uh, I look at that the head-to-head. -head. You know, what have, they, what have they done each other head-to-head? -head? But like Todd mentioned, we're not necessarily trying to, trying to figure out who's had the best season. We're trying to see who has is, who is been hot over the last two or three weeks. 
So, you know, I will look at, uh, did they race against each other head to head and give the, whoever finished higher, you know, kind of give the nod to that person and, uh, who I feel like has raced against the best competition. You know, did, did this guy go out and run third for three weeks against, uh, 40 car fields, or did this guy go out and win a couple races against 18 car fields? So I kind of, I kind of try to look at their competition level. I try to look at, uh, you know, and often it's sometimes not racing at all is, is good. And sometimes not racing at all is bad. If, if, if you're a national tour and your tour has been off for two or three weeks, well, you're kind of out of sight, out of mind. Whereas in the other national tour and a guy, you know, kind of out of the blue, say, a, say a Kyle Bronson goes and wins two races in a row. And all of a sudden, because that guy's racing and winning, well, he might move up some while you're sitting still. And then at the other time, you could be sitting still and not do anything at all and maintain your position or even move up a spot because somebody else has gone out in, in, in front of you and ran poorly. So, you know, I think that, you know, each week brings up new scenarios that we have to kind of kind of look at and kind of juggle. But as far as, you know, just your, to, your question necessarily about those two specific drivers, I think it's primarily who I feel like their competition level is that particular week and whether or not they're racing that particular week, there's two or three, you know, nothing's set in stone, but there's two or three kind of little parameters that go into that. Uh, and so it's really hard to determine who happens to be better overall. If when you're looking at two re national champions, but I, I don't think it's that difficult to really determine who's had the better week when you look at it. And that's kind of where, again, which is a, a power pole who's hot right now over the last couple of weeks. And so that's kind of what we're looking at. Kovac, your scenario is guy like Kyle Larson wins the Prairie Dirt Classic, gets a lot of top fives, has a couple of national touring wins. You have a lot of people in the late model world, especially in the industry, kind of get maybe mad a little bit because he doesn't race enough, especially ever since the World 100, he only had a handful of you know, starts in the super late model. So how do you vote a guy like that? Well, yeah, I was, that was exactly what I was thinking. I was almost going to like raise my hand and, or, you know, message you here. Like Derek, we got to talk about Kyle Larson. He's the one that threw the monkey wrench, I think, into the, into the top 25 this year, because he's like, he said, he didn't race a lot, but every time he raced, he was, he was like a podium guy, even not just a top five guy. He was like either winning or he was on that podium at the end of the night. And so, clearly he's a top 25 guy in the country. He's probably a top 10. I mean, if he would like you, you put that over the whole season, man, this guy races a whole season. He's going to be a, he's a top five guy probably, but as a power ranking, you can't like, he, he, he can go like three or four weeks, maybe didn't even race. So where do you put him? I think we've all, it seemed like we all seem to like really kind of put him in that eight to you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm saying he, he did crack the top 10, I think, at some point, probably after the PDC win. Uh, he, that might have been maybe his high point or, or maybe like after that win during speed. Only one only ran one went during speed weeks and he wins by 15 seconds at all tech back in January. So uh, I think he, he did get higher in, in a couple of points, but he usually settled in 10 to 15. I think we kind of just put him in there every week in that in, in that in that 
uh, in that spot because we kind of knew, like, man, if he was racing this week, he would be right there. That's what he's shown with everything he did. So it, it is tough to 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 slot him in though when a guy's not racing every week. Uh, because most of the time when a guy's not racing every week, when he's racing so, so little, like he is, uh, they're, they're not as good as Kyle, Kyle Larson, you know, you know, not you, who else in the country can you say like ran, uh, only 20 shows and, and had the results that he did. I mean, even like, a uh, you know, Billy Moyer slowed down this year and didn't race as much, but every time he wasn't finishing top three in, in every big race, when he did race. So uh, I, I think Kyle Larson deserves to still be in that group and probably was a more of in, in the top half of the top 10 uh, if he would have raced all the time. Todd, we got one final scenario and it's going to be like Bobby Pierce who gets majority is majority of his wins on summer nationals. He had that big $100,000 to win race in Vegas or a guy like Tyler Herb who's running the national series he still picks up 17 wins on the season, but I don't think Tyler Herb was ever ahead of Bobby Pierce months during the 2021 season. So how do you like, do you guys like that who were pretty much pretty equal in win totals, but one guy runs a national series, the other guy's majority regional, but you know, makes a household name during those big time national events. I think it's one of those things we have to envision if, if either of them was in the other role, how they would do. Could Tyler Herb be what Pierce is doing on the Summer Nationals? Or could Pierce do what Tyler Herb is doing on the Lucas Oil Tour? Although this year, Tyler actually races off that series as well. I think that is the that is the tricky, tricky one. And that is one you could argue that is is uh if we come to a bias, is 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 figuring that out. It's like, do you do you do you can you can you decide that this guy's for sure better than that guy when they're not running the same races? And I think that's a that's a tricky thing. And I think it may be the the biggest struggle of the poll. Uh, I think that's a good question. I mean, you can you can look at that uh, with a number of drivers, you know, in 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 different scenarios, and to see, you know, is that guy really better than that guy, or is he uh, benefiting? because he can get more wins in this other scenario or whatever. So I think that's a good question. And I think that's the, what uh, literally voters struggle with every week when they're ranking those, uh, uh, those guys that are winning in different parts of the country. Yeah. So the people at home, it's a tough, tough business to be voting for all these things. We have all these different scenarios. It's one of those sports where literally eight different guys to 10 different guys can win each weekend that are in the top 25. So it's very difficult to try to get a grip on where to put them in the top 25. But I think maybe some of these tips and pointers by you guys might help me moving forward in 2022, but we're going to keep the Christmas theme for one final thing. Christmas present. You have to give a Christmas present to a driver track or series um, what do you think maybe some of these people in the industry should get? Kovac, what about for you? What is the Christmas present you want to give out to somebody? Oh, how about this? I'll just, I'll just, I'll put them all in one big, one big uh, circle here. Drivers, uh, race teams, tracks, and series, and just give them an ample supply of Hoosier race tires for the 2022 season. Just make sure Santa Claus brings them 
uh, a great inventory that makes hopefully he's got all his elves up there in the North Pole creating producing these tires during this little tiny stretch where we have no races and there won't be any tire problems everybody has plenty of tires <laughs> Robert I'm going to uh, I'm going to think that uh, I, I should I should send Kyle Bronson a, a week's worth of uh, a, just a good forecast, I guess, for his races down there at Golden Isles. Because not only as a driver on the Lucas Oil Series, you want to build a race, but as a new track owner, when you're kicking off your season, the worst thing in the world is, is a bad forecast. So I'm going to, uh, to hope that Santa Claus dives deep into his sack and, and brings uh, Kyle Bronson and his family a, a great forecast and, and great weather for his uh, first three races down there at Golden Isles as a, as a track owner as he's actually hosting the Lucas Oil Series to start the season down there because I think it's very important to, to get off on the right foot. My present's going to go out to Josh Richards, and I'm going to give him his mojo back. He's in his second ride since leaving the house car. He's with Boom Briggs. I feel like it's going to be a lot less pressure than driving for Clint Boyer or his dad, Mark Richards. I feel like we need to see a vintage Josh Richards season. Maybe he can get the double-digit wins. A lot of people say maybe that Boyer ride's kind of cursed, that 14 ride. We've seen some drivers in the past uh, driving it, not having success, going to other cars, and they kind of show out a little bit. So, Josh Richards, I'm giving you your mojo for Christmas. I want you to get up on the wood. I want to get you, see you get double-digit wins. I want to see your new car owner, Boom Briggs, happy as can be, smoking cigarettes in the pits and having a great time being a two-car race team. So, Todd, what is your Christmas present? I'm going to give World of Outlaw Series director Casey Schumann some earmuffs in case it's a little chilly in Volusia. And also, they might come in handy to ward off some of the criticisms he might get as he, he's the first one to... Uh, to set those unified rules and to hear some of the complaints that no doubt some drivers will have as they get all that uh, squared away in January. So the, a gift that uh, keeps on giving, it'll help him out in a couple of different ways. No doubt about that. Keep warm. Andy doesn't have to listen to all the shenanigans in the pit area at Volusia, which starts in basically a month from yesterday. So we're 20 or 30, 29 days away from speed weeks, Volusia 1.0, but Everyone listening at home, have a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, have a great weekend. We'll be back next week.